0: We've been in a series of messages these past seven weeks on seven reasons why you can trust God. And I intended to preach another type of message this morning, but in the light of what's going on in the world, I want to have a, a sermon, you might say a message, of application to what we have been learning the last seven weeks. And that's why I want to talk about prayer today. And the title of the message is, Why Pray? And you'll find your text in 1 John chapter 5. Now, if you turn to the end of the New Testament, the book of Revelation, then go back one, it's the book of Jude, third John, second John, and then finally 1 John. And in chapter 5, beginning with verse 13, we're going to be reading our text here in just a few moments. We need prayer more than ever we've ever needed it before. I can't remember a time where we've been going through something like what we've been going through lately. We know that with coronavirus, with hundreds of thousands of people, It seems like in America, uh, having it, and 100,000 or more expected to maybe die from it. Then we have the economic downturn and how it's affecting people all over the world. More jobless claims this past two weeks than at any other time in American history. And so we're looking at not only the virus that is going on now and the effects that it's having on our lives right now, but also in the future to come. And so, we need prayer. I just uh, read just an article a few moments ago about nurses getting into the top of the hospital on the roof and praying for the patients uh, on the next floors. And so, while most Americans already claim that they pray every day, we're seeing more and more of a concentration on prayer. Now, my question, though, to you today is why? Why do it? Because when you think about it, Most of the time when the world, those that are outside the the body of Christ, when they think about prayer, they think about, I appreciate you doing that because it's so caring. It's so comforting to us. It just really shows that you care about us. A pastor that goes into a hospital room, he should never leave without praying for the patient. Why? Well, because uh, it's caring, because it's comforting. I was... uh, heard about this guy. In fact, I think I was in the room with him. It's been so long ago. This guy was praying. This pastor was praying. I was in the room, and uh, he was just praying that God would mount up with wings of eagles and, and run and not be weary. And I expected this 95-year-old to maybe get out of the bed and start running around the room. Well, no, I didn't expect that, did I? Because the reasons why we pray are not always the reasons why we need to pray. In fact, we don't need more prayer. What we need, well, we need more prayer, but what we need is for the God that we're praying to to do something, to answer that prayer. Sometimes I think we're just praying to the wind. It's sort of like the song that Neil Diamond wrote and recorded years ago, I Am I Said. And the lyrics go something like this. I am I said to no one there, and no one heard me at all, not even the chair, leaving me lonely still. The world thinks prayer is just a good exercise to comfort us, to, for us to, to maybe show that we love one another and we're trying to be involved in what's going on. But the Bible presents prayer as not only a, one, a feeling of oneness with God and really a feeling of oneness with everyone else, else but the real definition of prayer is asking and receiving. Asking God for things and expecting God to do something in our life. James 5:16 says this, The effective prayer of the righteous man will accomplish much. Mark 11:24, 24, Jesus said, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, already received it, and it will be yours. But do we really believe that? Suppose someone came up and said, I believe that God is going to heal everybody of the coronavirus tomorrow. And everybody's going to be getting their job back here in the next few weeks, and everything's just going to go great. And you believe that that really is going to happen. Well, I'd have to really question that about the character of the person saying that, first of all. But really, our tendency is maybe not to believe that. I remember when I was um, um, a 22-year-old, and I was healed of being a diabetic. And God just miraculously took that disease away from me overnight. I remember sharing that with so many people, and many of them rejoiced with me because they knew the situation. But years later, when you tell the story, people just meet it with a little skepticism. Well, I just don't know. You know, people think you're weird. People think you're strange when you get an answer to prayer. So my question is, then why do it? Why do it if we're not talking to an almighty, sovereign God who loves us, who says, I can, why would we ask Him for something if we're not expecting Him to do anything? Well, I want you to be a Christian today, now, not only ask God for things, but ask God, ask God for things knowing that He is there. Remember what Hebrews 11:6 6 says, believing that He exists, that He is there and He's going to reward those who diligently seek Him. So we want to talk about seeking Him today and we want to talk about asking Him for things, and we're going to talk to you today about being that person that prays, that asks, expecting God to do something, and your prayers are going to change the world around you. I want you to look at our passage today in 1 John, and as John was writing this uh, book, he was writing it to Christians in general that they would know about certain things in their life, particularly their salvation. In fact, that's what the whole book's about. Let me read three verses to you from this passage and then we'll get to the rest of it in just a moment. He says, "I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life." Notice how many times that word know is mentioned in this passage. And this we have confidence that we have toward him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us, and we know that He hears us in whatever we ask. We know that we have the request that have been asked of Him. This word "know", know has been mentioned, is going to be mentioned six times in this passage alone. It's the key word to the book of First John, and John is telling us there's certain things that we can know by fact. We can know it, not just by experience, but he says, by actual knowledge and fact, our salvation, our prayer life, and other things as well. This word know, the key word to the book of 1 John. And the real purpose of the book is that we can know that we have salvation and the things that accompany salvation. And one of those things is that when we request things of God, He's going to hear us, and we have the confidence that when He hears us, He's also going to answer that prayer. And so I want us to look at three things this morning. One is that what we need to face, then what we need to find, and finally, how do we find it? First of all, what do we need to face? Notice it says in verse 14, this is the confidence. This word means really freedom of speech. It's the idea of, say, a private going up to a lieutenant or a captain, and it stands at attention and says, freedom to speak, sir. In other words, he's about to say something really confident or bold. That's what the word really means. It's boldness of speech. I come to you with boldness, Captain. I have something to say, freedom to speak. And God says, John is saying that God is telling him and telling us that we have the boldness because of our salvation to come to God with prayer in our heart. He says we can know this, this word Greek, and the Greek is oida which means an absolute knowledge. So he says, because of our salvation experience, talks about in verse 13, about knowing that we have eternal life, because of that, we can come to God in great boldness. But then, there's all kinds of ifs about this, isn't there? There's all kinds of questions about it that we face. One of them, I think one of our obstacles is that we do feel like we're praying to the wind, oftentimes. In verse 14, it says, this is the confidence that we have Toward him, this word "toward" has the idea of uh, face to face, uh, before standing before him, face to face. It's the sign of a presence with God. It's not like the word the, the song "I Am I Said." It's not like the young boy is telling the rest of his family. He says, "It's my turn to bow our heads over the meal. It's my turn to talk to the plates today." and that's kind of all we're doing. We're talking to the plates. Maybe we're leading someone in prayer sometime, and we say, Lord, thank you for this food we're about to receive because it's just rote. It's just normal stuff that we do every day without really thinking that there's a God in heaven looking down, piercing, peering down from heaven, listening to what we have to say because He's anxious to give us a blessing in life. We look at this, and we think again, if we we're just kind of praying to the wind. Oh, we're praying, and I feel so much better by praying. I feel so much comfort by praying. This, this, uh, I entertain maybe this, this group of people with my prayer, my these and thous and thuses, and always, you know, ending it with in Jesus' name. And it was all really, really nice. But it's weird if I say again. It's weird if I say, okay, this is the prayer. This is the miracle that actually happened in my life. Now, I know all of us are not like that, but some of us are. We feel like at times we're just praying to the wind. Then sometimes we feel like we're praying in the dark. It says in verse 14 that we have this confidence toward him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. You say, well, there you go, pastor. I have no idea what his will is. And anyway, if he's he's saying, well, we just pray in his will, then why pray anyway? If he's going to do it anyway, why pray? And so we're praying a little bit in the darkness. And then finally... In this passage, we're also kind of praying through, if I can say, the sludge, just the sludge of what's going on in our life. He says in verse 16, and this is a very difficult passage to to interpret, and I'm going to give you a little bit of help, but probably not as much as you want. In verse 16, it says, If anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will give him life. To those who commit sins that do not lead to death, There is a sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is a sin that does not lead to death. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, does not practice that. That's not a way of life. But he who was born of God, God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. Basically, the passage is saying this. He said, if you are a born-again believer, I mean really saved, and Jesus Christ really lives in your heart, that you're not going to live a life of sin. But when you're convicted of wrongdoing in your life, you're going to repent of that and come away from it. That's the practice of life. But what about this sin and the death? Well, the best way I can understand it is to say that it's, it's a real Christian who is uh, continuing to practice something he shouldn't practice, and maybe this sin is even kind of public, and he won't repent of it, and he's embarrassing God. He's causing the church embarrassment as well, and God would just take that person away early. But he's saying, he's saying there is that, but he doesn't explain it like we'd like for him to. But he comes right back to us praying about the condition of our life, about sin in our life. Well, Isaiah 59, 1 and 2 says this, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that he cannot save, or his ear dull, that he cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he does not hear. So God says, look, there's a prayer that you can pray that you will that, that he's not going to hear as far as hearing to answer it, hearing it with favor. Because as we look in First John, this word that he hears us, it means that he hears us with favor. And so we look at favor, favor and blessing. In other words, he wants to hear us in order to do something about it. In Isaiah, it says, you know, God hears everything, but God does not hear it with favor. What causes this? There's a sin in our life. There's something going on in our life that we know shouldn't be there. There's no question about it. It's there. And instead of repenting of it and going back and walking with God, we continue in it. Now, 1 John is all about this lifestyle. It's, it's sharing with us the lifestyle of the Christian. At the end of the book, he says, these things have been written unto you that you may know that you have eternal life. But he says this earlier in the book, and whatsoever we ask, we receive from him because he keeps his commandments and do what is pleasing to him. He does what's pleasing in his sight. In other words, we obey God And that's the reason why the Bible says we're going to receive from Him what we ask. Now, you may be asking yourself the question, a couple of things, in fact. You may be saying, well, Pastor, last week you talked about us being in Christ, and so if we're in Christ, we're already in favor with God. And yet, we also talked about, remember, in balance with that path of blessing. You've got to be in the place where God wants you to be in order to receive the blessing. And one of the places there is to walk as Jesus himself walked. The Bible talks about it. In, in Psalm 66:18. 18, it says, If I cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not have listened to me. And so we need to walk with God without sin in our life. Because if we do that, of course, if God blessed us, it would only be encouraging us to continue to sin. Now that's one question you may have in your mind. We'll come back to that in just a moment. But the other thing is, Pastor, with all the stuff that we're going through, you know, here I am in, in my in my house by myself, or I'm I'm with, worse than that, I'm I'm with my husband 24 <laughs> 7. You know, I've heard a lot of jokes about that. And um, you know, I, I'm going through all this, maybe you've lost your job, maybe you even have the virus right now, and you're really worried. Why bring up all this stuff about sin? Well, a couple of reasons. One, I want your prayer life to be effective. It is vital that your prayer life is effective right now. And and the second thing is, as we're looking at this, when we don't have answers to prayer, what are we going to do with that? You know, we've said God can, and God loves you enough that He will. And so if He doesn't, What then? Well, he must not love me enough. Well, that's not true. Well, he must not be powerful enough. Well, that's not true. Well, my faith must not be strong enough. Well, perhaps, but it's not always the amount of faith, really. It's the direction of your faith. It's direction as far as believing in God. And so if I didn't bring this out, you would wonder to yourself, well, the the Bible can't be right. I mean, after all, I prayed, I prayed, and I felt like I believed, and it it didn't happen. But here's the thing. When we know that there's something else here, it's better explained. There's no blame game going on. It's just simply, okay, God, I'm coming before you. What is it in my life that needs to be cleaned up? What is in my life that I need to turn over to you as Lord of my life? Because I want my heart to be clean so my prayers will be effective for me and for everybody else. Well, we ask ourselves then the question, what do we need to find? What do we need to find in order to get to this point? Well, first of all, we need confidence in our salvation. It says in verse 13, I write these things to you. In other words, one of the, the reason, the reason really the book of 1 John was written is that you may know that you have eternal life. Everything else in the book is based upon this one thing. Your answers to prayer, your prayer life is based on this one thing of knowing that you are saved. After all, if you don't know that Jesus Christ lives in your heart, if you don't know you're born of God, as verse 18 talks about, in just a few moments that we just read just a few moments ago, if you if you don't know Jesus lives in your heart, how do you know the the four thousand promises in the Bible are not are not for you or not? I mean, maybe they're for you, maybe they're not. How do you know that God is really listening to your prayer if you don't know that? And the Bible gives us the answer on how we can know it, in verse 11 of chapter five. This is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. So it's not a matter of works. I could never know if I'm saved, if I had to do enough works, if I had to do enough deeds, had to preach enough sermons, had to give enough money, had to serve other people. I'd never know what the passing grade was. But the Bible says we've all failed. We've all sinned against God, for the wages, and the Bible says for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Therefore, we must humble ourselves before God and receive Jesus Christ into our heart. The moment we do that, Christ's Spirit comes to live inside of us, the inner core of our being, and ignites, the Bible says, our old dead spirit. And the Bible says we're born from above. We're born of God. We're born again, another way to put it. And at that point, we become a believer, and the Holy Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Now, you have to know that in order to go on in this message, in order to go on in this message and apply it to your life, apply faith to your life. Well, the second thing we need to do, just come back to it, is confess sin in our life. We need to come to a point of our life, and we just say, you know, look, something is hindering all this. Something's hindering Uh, God's plan for my life. And it could be one of three things. When we pray, we need to consider three things. Number one, the reason why we may not be getting the answer that we want to get is that there's something different in the plan of God. And I'll just remind you of this because I've been kind of preaching on this for about 20 years off and on. Something different in God's plan for your life. It could be just God, you know, we don't know the rippling effects. We don't even know what God's doing through this virus right now it may be a sign of the second coming. I believe maybe it is. It could be a punishment, it, it could be. It could be just God trying to get our attention somehow uh, in this world as a whole and just saying, look, I, I want you to turn to me. It could be the key to revival. We don't know, I don't know, you don't know. I don't, no one could possibly know what, what in the world God is up to right now, but it's gonna have a rippling effect all throughout our lives and the lives to come. It so could be something better in the plan of God. Maybe you're praying for a certain job. You're praying for something to go on in your life. You're praying to keep your job, but then you get laid off and maybe it's a better job, more fulfilling job, a better paying job that's coming up. Something better in the plan of God, but it also could be something binding in the plan of God. It could be something in our life, an unbelief, a sin that we were committing. Something that's in the Bible that's pretty plain that we need to stop doing. Something in the Bible that we need to start doing that we're not doing now. Wrong relationships, maybe with a spouse. Maybe it's with a friend. Maybe it's an unforgiving spirit that you have. Someone has done something wrong against you, but you have not relinquished that. You haven't given that up. You're holding on to that. Now, it's very important that you realize, and I think many of you do, that when you have a child and they're living in disobedience, and then you give them something anyway, in spite of the fact that they're not minding you or obeying you, it just encourages them to say, look, I can get away with this. I can go ahead and live the way I want to live, no matter what my parents think, and I still get what I want. That is unhealthy for the child. It's just like a Christian. If they're living in a a certain way, and it's against the Bible, but they feel like, well, you know, I've still got a good job. I'm still going real well. My, my finances are good. I'm happy with this maybe new woman or new man that I found. I'm happy with all this. It seems like God's doing a, a, a pretty good work. In my, if God did that to actually the people that were his real children, his born-again believers, he would only encourage wrong living. And so one of the reasons why things begin to come to a halt in our life and God begins to put adversity in our life, is to take a pause back and say, God, what is it in my life? What is it in my life that I need to get cleaned up? Because, God, I want my prayers to be effective. I want to be that person that can pray to that omnipotent, holy, righteous, loving, gracious God and really get something done for my family and for the world. Well, then we look and we understand we not only need to walk as Jesus walked, as 1 John 2, 6 tells us. But also, we need to have a conviction that God is listening, a conviction that He hears us. This word, again, toward, means face-to-face. It's, it's a sign of intimacy with our Lord, a, t- a sign that we're close to God, that we're face-to-face, that He's listening, that he's, he's hanging on those words that we're saying, that He's right there. We're just not bowing our heads, praying to the wind, and trying to think up something to say. But rather, God is anticipating something that we're that is pulling out of us, you might say. Ask and you shall receive. Ask me. And he's asking, and we need the conviction that God, you are there. That I, I believe that you exist and that you reward those who diligently seek you. And I am seeking you, God. I am seeking you with all my heart. I want to cleanse, I want my life to be cleansed. I want the blood of Jesus, to cleanse my life, and I want to come to you in prayer and get something done. I want to request something and get answers in my life and the lives of others that I love. Well, we need a conviction that he's listening to us. I love what Der- David Jeremiah said. He says, our God knows what we are going through. He knows every minute of our pain and suffering. He not only knows what we feel, he also knows why we feel what we feel. He knows how it happened and how long it's going to last and how intense it is. He knows every emotion associated with it. And when when we are going through such difficult times, all you can do sometimes is look and say, Father, you know. Father, you know. And he knows. Is he listening? Do you realize that every time you address God, He's listening. And then a commitment to receive His answer, because the Bible says here that if we know, K-N-O-W again, that He hears us in whatever we ask. We know that we have the request that we have asked of Him. Now let me share something with you that you may at first disagree with, or it really surprises you that it would come from me, but I'm going to tell you something that I know with all my heart. That if you are a Christian, you are born again by the Spirit of God, and you're walking with Him, there's no known known sin in your life that you have not asked forgiveness from, and you request something of God with a fervent heart, God will answer that prayer. Period. No debate. He promises in the Bible that He will answer that prayer. That's it. Ar- you know, there, There's no argument in the Bible about that. However, as you know, in fact, some of you can, if you were here, you could share these three answers with me because there's three possible answers to every prayer. Yes, no, and wait. You see, it's not even a yes, no, and wait if you are not a Christian or you don't have, or you have sin in your life that's cutting you off, that God's trying to teach you something through it. But if you're right with God, it's a yes because he's saying that's my will. You've agreed with my will and you've prayed for it. And because of that i'm going to deliver what my heart wants to deliver it's a yes, you say, yeah, but you know that's that, you know if it be your will and all that stuff, I mean, after all, I just sort of feel like giving up sometimes because I feel like my will maybe is not God's will. Listen, if Jesus Christ is Lord of my life, then i'm accepting his will that's part of it that's a big part of it, and so therefore if Jesus Christ is my Lord, I want His will for my life. And anything outside of His will, I don't want. But there's a lot of stuff in God's will. Now, again, I I don't know what the answers for this virus is. I I don't know how long it's going to last. I don't know what God's doing. I don't know what His will is for it. But there's a lot of things in the Bible. For example, God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. You can pray for your lost friend or loved one, And that is a prayer in the will of God. I don't believe it's God's will for anyone to be on drugs. I don't believe it's God's will for anyone to be involved in a sexual sin. I don't believe it's God's will for anyone to be involved in, in, in something that's underhanded in business. We can pray for all these things, all of these things, and know that God's will is for that stuff not to happen. And even though God has... Got to take a person and break them down to a point of surrender to him. Nevertheless, that's not a problem for God. We need to just keep praying in the will of God. You see, it's like we're sometimes like a minnow in an ocean, and we complain that the ocean's just not big enough. There's all kinds of stuff, 4,000 promises in the Bible, all kinds of stuff that are in the will of God that we can pray for. So it's a yes, and then sometimes it's a no because it's just not in the will of God, it, But God does answer it. Don't be like the man who gets home from work at five o'clock, and one of the kids comes up, come up to him and say, uh, "Daddy, Daddy, we want to go out and all go out and get an ice cream. Would you take us get an ice cream?" And he said, "Well, he says, well, son, we're going to have dinner in thirty minutes. It's going to ruin your dinner. Maybe we can go later, or, or maybe another day." So he runs upstairs. His brother asked him, he said, well, what would you ask dad? He said, well, I asked him if we could all go for an ice cream. Well, what did he say? Oh, he didn't say nothing. He didn't answer me. He, He just ignored me, I guess. He didn't say anything. No, he did say something. He just didn't say what the young boy wanted to hear. Sometimes it's no, because we don't know the mind of God. We don't know the past, present, and future. We don't have the wisdom to know what we need to do. But for sure, God gives us what we want if we had the wisdom enough to know that that's what we wanted. So sometimes it's no, and sometimes it's wait, and sometimes that's exactly what God has in mind for us. Every day, I think we get answers to prayer, but they're little things. They're the small things of life. But the big things seem to take a, a while because there's a lot of circumstances going on. A lot of people may be involved that have to get involved in answering that prayer but it's also just a matter of waiting on the big stuff. Psalm 27, 14 says, Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Many of you uh, like to go to Chick-fil-A, and the founder of, um, of that business, Truett Cathy, was a very strong Christian believer, and he supported uh, many ministries. And one of them was the, uh, a teenage boy's home. And... Sometimes his family would sort of adopt one of those teenagers and almost like really becoming one of the family. And he made a promise to each one of them. He said, for if you would wait until you're 18 years old, I will buy you any car you want. Now, the deal was not that they could buy, they could buy any car they wanted at the 16, and then at 18, he would buy them a car. Uh, no. The deal was they had to wait until they're 18 years old. Wait, he he thought, until they're better equipped to drive. Wait until they're more mature, but also just wait. Because Truett Cathy, with his wisdom from God, knew that when we waited for something, it was a spiritual maturity exercise. It was an exercise not only in spiritual maturity, but an exercise in desire, because the more we have to wait for something, the more we want it, the more we desire it. And so waiting is just a part of life. It's more than just waiting in the the grocery store line uh, at uh, one of the, the big discount houses when something like the coronavirus is going on. It's more than just waiting in a line, getting into a ball game. It's just waiting on life and waiting on things to come, waiting on the blessings to come. And we need to have patience. And sometimes we don't lack faith. Sometimes we give up because we lack patience. But we look at this, and we ask ourselves, say, well, how? How do I do all that? How do I sense the presence of God so much in my life that I just feel like He's right there when I'm praying? How do I, how do I have the faith to really know what to do? Well, you, let's close and say you need three things. One thing is a humble. we need to humble ourselves before God. Look in verse 19. We know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one, contrasting that spiritual warfare that's going on all the time in the life of the believer. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true, and we are in Him who is true. In His Son, Jesus Christ, He is the true God and eternal life. Everything, everything is Christ. So there's a sense that I humble myself to His understanding. I humble myself to His wisdom, but I also humble myself just because He's God. That's the essence. We go all the way back to verse 13. That's the very essence of salvation. That's how we come to know Him, by humbling ourselves before Him and saying, God, there's nothing I can do to save myself. I'm just trusting in You. I humble myself, as it were, at the foot of the cross, and asking You to save me as only You can. Same way with the Christian life. God, I'm just humbling myself before You. I I am desperate. I cannot answer my prayer. I can't rely on the government. I can't rely on my parents. I can't rely on my grandparents. i got to rely on you, just you. So I humble myself before you, God, knowing that you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. And then in that humility, secondly, you surrender yourself to the Lord. We can see this in verse 21, little children, keep yourself from idols. Why do you throw that in? Last sentence of the whole book, keep yourself from idols. Because it's in these idols that just twist us, you know. The idol of of it could be money. It could be another person. It could be fame. It could be glory. It could be uh, other things in our life. A sport that we want to play. Something we want to do as a career. Keep yourself. In other words, put God first. Have Him, Lord of your life. Romans eight twenty eight says, "For we know that all for uh, we know that for those who love God." All things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. We're in the will of God. Those rippling effects that could occur as we get off on a tangent somewhere are just not going to happen because we're on the path that's going to bring blessing to our life. And again, we, we just don't know. We don't know what is going to happen with this virus, we don't know the rippling effects it may have in life, but everything has its purpose. I uh, heard of a short story written by Ray Bradbury. It's called The Sound of Thunder, and it was about a time machine, sci-fi type of thing. It's about an uh, illegal time machine, and this guy by the name of Travis, for a certain amount of money, will take you back into time and let you see the past. You couldn't participate in the past, but you could see it. And so a guy by the name of Eccles took him up on it, him, paid him a large sum of money, and so he was going to go back in time. And he said, "Now look, there's a magnetic, anti-magnetic, a gravitational pull, a uh, path that you have to stay on. You can't get off that path. It's going to be above the ground. You can't step off." He says, "Well, why?" He says, "Well, if you do, you might change something. If you step on a mouse, for example, well, that mouse may have had millions of babies, and it it, it kills off." millions and even hundreds of millions of mice and therefore for every 10 mice and this is just a story but every 10 mice you know a fox is going to die because it doesn't have food and way back in the caveman days a man goes out looking for food and it's not there because you've killed a mouse well he thought that was rather silly so he goes on the time machine and he just couldn't not step off he had he was just so curious stepped off end up killing a butterfly and it changes everything You just don't know what ingredients are going to come about in life. And so we find the will of God. And what do we do when we don't know it? What do we do when we just come to the place and say, well, I guess I won't pray until I know the will of God? No, that's, that's not it. That's not the answer. The Bible says, and Jesus said, ask and it shall be given to you. Ask if you know the will of God. You know what God wants you to pray? Pray it with all your heart claiming that promise in the name of Jesus. If you don't know what it is, he says, Seek, and you shall find. Seek the will of God. Well, as you're seeking, knock, and it shall be opened to you. In other words, just pray. Just, just keep praying. You don't know what to pray. Pray anyway. Now, the Bible says the Holy Spirit. We're, we're so in the dark sometimes when it comes to the will of God. The Bible says in the book of John, it says the Holy Spirit is there praying for things, that we don't know about. In other words, we don't know the will of God, but the Holy Spirit is praying for us the whole time. What do we do? We just keep praying. I love the the verse, and I claim it often. In Psalm 37, 4, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. What do you do when you don't know the will of God? You just pray the desires of God. And finally, you just, as you're doing it, God, not my will, like Jesus prayed in the garden. Not my will, but your will be done. But God, if you want to know what I want, what you've laid on my heart, this is it. This is what I'm praying for. This is what I'm reaching out to you for. So you turn your life over to the Lord and surrender to His will and surrender to His Lordship. But I would challenge you, lastly, as on how to do it, is do it. Do it. Pray. I think one of the worst things that we do as believers, we get discouraged, we get distracted, and we just don't do it. We don't pray. James 4.2 says, you don't have because you just don't ask. And so what do we do? We're in a time, the most difficult time maybe in our history, at least we're facing that. And we need prayer. But more than that, we need God to intervene because of our prayers in our lives and in this world. And we've never, we've never come to a time like this. Now, we've had things going on in our community, perhaps, in our country that we've prayed about, in our church we've prayed about, and it has been customary in the past that we've had times of of fasting. In fact, the Bible tells us in Joel, if I can find this verse, it says, blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, call a solemn assembly. Well, we can't assemble, but we can call a fast, and that's what I want to do. Fasting, as we can define it, I basically get all this from Isaiah chapter 58, but other parts of the Bible as well. But fasting basically is a voluntary abstinence from food for the purpose of seeking God through concentrated prayer. It's a voluntary abstinence of food for the purpose of seeking God through concentrated prayer. These are desperate times. People are dying, losing jobs. The economy is tanking. Ben Franklin at the First Continental Congress called for three days of fasting. During the Civil War, our country was in dire straits and terrible times, and Abraham Lincoln called for a time of fasting. Now, why do we want to do this at this time? What do we want to pray for? Well, we want to pray that God would cure and heal, that he would, we would find an answer to this virus. Well, you said, well, we don't know what the will of, will of God is. Well, that's my desire. My desire is to find the cure. My my desire is for it to go away. Why can't we pray for that? Why can't we expect God to be listening to that prayer? Then for God to draw us closer to Himself. And then for His will to be done. Whatever that is. God, do it. Do it quickly. Help us to cooperate with that will, whatever it is, so we can get through this and come out into a better place. And finally, for His name to be glorified. Those four things I'm asking you to pray for. For God to cure and heal. For God to draw the world to Himself, show Himself, reveal Himself in people's hearts through this, that the world would turn to Christ, for His will to be done, ultimately, for His name to be glorified. So, I want to call a time of prayer and fasting. I want to do it on this Wednesday. Now, maybe you have a health problem that will not allow you to do total fasting. But maybe you can, instead of taking just Wednesday, you can take all week and leave off something you really enjoy, that you really enjoy eating, or you really enjoy like a, a like coffee. Diet Coke would be for me. But if you're going to pray on one day, just leave off everything but water. If you're going to pray, pray all week, you can have all kinds of options. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fast from uh, Sunday to Sunday, all right? From, I'm going to start this afternoon and uh, finish up next Sunday afternoon. And there's all kinds of options if you want to join me in that. You can do only water. You can do only liquid. Because many of you work and you have maybe strenuous jobs, maybe mentally or physically. And you have to have some juice. You have to have different things, some kind of nourishment. And so it's liquid only. Or again, leave off something that you really enjoy for the whole week. And use those times every time you want that one something or every time you get hungry. Instead of going to the refrigerator or stopping by a convenience store, you go to God in prayer. And every time you get hungry, you pray to God those four basic things and anything else that's personally on your heart. And I know you have many burdens. You've shared them with me on your prayer cards. And I know that this virus is just on top oftentimes, of all the other things that are going on in your life. And so I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you to have that conviction that God is hearing you, that you're praying and God is listening. I'm going to ask you to know and expect God to really answer that prayer. I mean, after all, why are you doing it? Why? Why do it unless it's going to have any kind of effect? To ask Him for these four things. So, God would do something miraculous and great in our life. Now, maybe on the other hand, you're sitting this morning in your living room or in your car listening, wherever you are, and you keep coming back to this first thing that I talked about in verse 13, where it says, These things have I written unto you that you may know that you have eternal life. Dear friend, that's not presumption, that's a promise from God. If you're trying to work your way to heaven, you'll never know. That right there alone should tell you you can't do that. You either have something or you don't have something. You have, in this case, the Son of God living in your life because you have, you've taken time to call on His name, repenting of your sins and accepting what He did for you on the cross. So I ask you, if something were to happen to you, even today, if you your last day on earth, and you were to meet eternity and meet God, do you know for certain that you'd go to heaven. Do you know that for sure? When someone asked me that question back when I was nineteen years old, it changed my life. I really had that that really says it all. That grapples with that question right there. Puts it, because if if I'm sure that Jesus Christ lives in my heart, then I know I'm going to heaven. If I'm not sure I'm going to heaven, then I have to question my own relationship with him. And I would be amiss if I did not give you that opportunity to receive Christ into your life today. And so as our heads are bowed before the Lord, as we pray before the Lord, I'm first of all going to pray for everyone that's watching uh, either today or even all during the week that they'll be watching this, this program, this video. Pray for you and then pray for you, especially that need the Lord, and then I'll give you instructions how you can pray to receive Him in just a moment. Let's pray. God, we call on Your name knowing that You are listening to what we're saying. And I'm praying for everyone, Lord, first of all, that does not know you, that has doubts about their salvation, that in just a moment they're going to be praying to receive Christ, that you would draw them with your spirit, reveal yourself to them in their heart. And God, I pray for the rest of us. I pray, God, that you would protect our church, protect the people in our church, protect those that are watching this program today, protect the ones in our area, in our state, in our country, in our world. And God, I pray that Ultimately, your will is going to be done because you're going to do something great that we haven't even expected or seen before, and it's going to be a wonder. But God, until you do that, I pray that you'll give us the desires of our heart. And as we pray this week, fasting and praying, God, calling upon you, concentrated prayer on you and what you would have for our life, I pray that you would give us the desires of our heart as we commit our way to you. And now, if you've never received Christ or you're doubting your salvation, would you pray this prayer right there where you are with me as I pray? You can just repeat the words if you'd like. Lord God, thank you for loving me. Thank you, Lord, for providing a way for me to be saved. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins based on what Jesus did on the cross for me. He died for me. He took my place. I accept that payment. And Lord, I pray as I receive Jesus into my heart that you would help me to become the person I need to be and follow in in the way and help me to have a dynamic, great relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Thanks for listening. You can find more sermons and other information at crosslifechurch.com.